This is an audio-only version of the video series broadcast on YouTube. If you want to experience Me, Myself, and Die as it was originally intended, search for Me, Myself, and Die on YouTube, Facebook, or Rumble. Or go to www.memyselfanddie.com. All of the show's playlists, social media links, and other material can be found there. And now, Me, Myself, and Die. A tropical sun beats down on a lonely, deserted island, the cries of seabirds piercing the salty air. In the shifting white sands of the beach, a lone figure lies unconscious, as if having just been washed ashore. As the warm tidewater begins to lap against his weather-worn face, the figure begins to stir into consciousness. His eyes open just as a flood of incoming tidewater crashes in all around him. He gasps, spits out the seawater, and struggles to his feet. He glances around, confused, his eyes darting here and there as if searching for something, anything recognizable. Down the beach from him, there is the wreckage of a boat, its cargo still bobbing in the shallows or being washed up on shore with the churning tide. He looks the other way down the beach but sees nothing but sand. Inland, the tropical forest looms lush and green, an impenetrable wall of vegetation concealing untold mysteries. And then, behind him, from a long way off, he hears the faint ringing of a bell. He spins around, looking out to sea. There, in the distance, is a sailing vessel, its anchor even now being hauled off the side and plunging into the depths below. A launch is dropped from the midship deck into the water, and several figures begin to clamber down the sides of the ship into it. Clearly, they will soon be making for the beach themselves. He instinctively grabs for his sword, but it is not at his side. And now he realizes his armor is also missing, as are the rest of his belongings. He turns back to the jungle and looks up at the azure sky. How the hell did I get here? Wherever here is. And more importantly, is Sherilyn here with me? guys and welcome back once again to me myself and I I am as always your intrepid GM host and player Trevor Deval thanks so much for tuning in and if you like what you see here today please do give the show a subscribe and a like it really helps out and with that I want to issue a big thank you to my subscribers and to my patrons because we have now officially reached as of the recording of this episode over 10,000 subscribers Yay! which is pretty cool I never thought a little little uh, channel like this could actually get to that level. I know in YouTube terms it's nothing, but eh, for me it's a big deal. So thank you so much for your support. It means a lot to me. And if you do want to continue support supporting the show, you can become a patron of the show at various levels, at very, uh, various tier levels, or you can uh, buy some of the merchandise off of uh, uh, the web store that we have in the comments, or there's links for drive through RPG uh, products that I use in the show that if you buy off the links here, um, it costs you no extra money, but I do get a little, a little, uh, a little taste, a little taste. So that's a good way to help support the show. This season also has a special sponsor, Nightwatch Games in San Antonio, Texas, who has very generously lent me some terrain, which I'll be using over the course of the show. So 
Uh, thank you for that. Now, this season of the show, I'll be using Dominion Rules as the RPG system of choice, a very obscure and largely unknown game system that exists out there for free on the internet. There's a link for the website below if you're interested in checking that out. I did a deep dive on this system in the premiere episode of the Sages Library, which is uh, linked above. You can check that out if you want to get more information about how the game works. But basically, it is based on a D12. Everything you do in this game is based on a D12. It's a skill-based game. There's no classes or levels. Everything's about skills. What you want to do is you want to roll your skill or less on a d12, and if you get under, you succeed. But high is better. So if your skill is five, then the best you can possibly roll is five. So for example, in a combat, if my total uh, skill to hit you is seven, and if I roll a seven, that means I've hit you, and I've also done potentially seven points of damage. But that's basically what you need to know. Everything's done on a d12, and of course, I will be using the Mythic GM emulator this season, going back to the original book, so that's going to be using the chart and, and all that stuff. Again, you can find links for all of that below. So, let us get on with the show. Edbert has woken up on a beach, completely unaware of where he is or how he got here. Now, the reason why I did that is because I wanted to start this season off with a mystery. I wanted to start off in a situation where I had no idea what was going to happen, so I think this will do it. Edbert is alone, without his gear, he's on a beach, there's a pirate ship off in the distance with a group of uh, men on a, on a little skiff coming towards the beach. That's all I know, so we're going to discover what happens as we go. We're going to discover with Edbert as we go through the Mythic GM emulator and play through the scenario. So, to go to our handy dandy GM emulator worksheet here, the scene set up here is pirates approach the beach, uh, Edbert is without memories or weapons, or any of his other gear for that matter. The character list is not only the characters here, which is obviously Edbert and the pirates, but also it's going to carry over from season one. So we have Sherilyn Spiritbane, who is still technically haunting Edbert. If you remember all the way back in season one, Sherilyn was only temporarily banished by the use of Stonebolt to the crossbow. Uh, but she is still out there and presumably still connected to Edbert, so he is going to have to deal with her, but we'll come back to that when we talk about threads. The Order of the Purifying Flame, that is the order that Sherilyn was the head of that believes that Edbert is responsible for her death, but as we know from season one's flashback episode, Edbert didn't actually kill her. He was trying to help her, but he was plagued by nightmares and plagued by the ghost of Sherilyn herself all these years. The guy hasn't slept a lot. And then there's Simon of Argiston. Uh, I hadn't intended to bring Simon into this season necessarily, but he is a character from the past, so he might show up, and wouldn't that be interesting? Nonetheless, that's the current character list. The threads, where is Edbert and how did he get here? That's gonna be sort of the super objective going forward, kind of like the, the main vow from Ironsworn. Edbert's gonna discover as he goes his memories, basically how we got here, what he's doing here, the whole bit. Also, another thread, Sherilyn must be permanently dealt with. That is still a thing. That's going to be the big thing. He's whatever. You know, she's not gone. She's going to show up again in some capacity. And he has to exorcise, exorcise her. He has to deal with her at some point. Also, deal with the order hunting Edbert for the murder of Sherilyn. The Order of the Purifying Flame is out there and they are coming after Edbert. And maybe they've tracked him down to this sort of Caribbean-like environment far, far, far to the south of where we set season one, and certainly much farther to the south than where we set season two. So that is the scenario. The setup, as I said, is Edbert is on the beach. He can see this group of pirates coming in 
off of this ship in the distance. The, the first thing he's gonna do, he knows that there was this boat over here with a bunch of supplies. I think he's just, he's gonna, he's gonna make his way stumbling through the sand as he gets over to the supplies. And the first question I have is, is his stuff among the supplies? Is his weapons and armor? Uh, I honestly have no idea. So in uh, uh, the, the proud tradition of uh, the Mythic Emulator, I'm going to uh, say that that is a 50-50 chance. Now we are at Chaos Rank 5, which is where you always start. So what this means is on my percentiles, there's a 50% uh, uh, chance of a yes answer. So is Edbert's stuff among these supplies? Oh no, his stuff is not among these supplies. So, okay, that's bad news. The next question is, is there anything he can use as a weapon or armor? Uh, you know what, I'm gonna say that's slightly less likely. I'm gonna say that that's uh, unlikely. So that's gonna give us a 35% chance of a yes answer and we roll 25, which is a yes answer. There is stuff he can use. Now, Edbert, I've done a conversion from the Savage Worlds character to a Dominion Rules character. I tried to do it uh, as, like as I tried to get him as close as I could to what his Savage Worlds character is. There's always gonna be some discrepancies. It's never gonna be an exact one-to-one -one conversion, but I tried to get him as close as I could, which means that he's really good in a fight and not so much of a talker. <laughs> so I guess the question is, there is weapons and supplies, but is it anything that he's gonna be extremely skilled with? Well, we didn't get an extraordinary S on this, so I'm just gonna say no. I'm gonna say that there is not, in fact, a longsword, but there is some sort of weapon he can use. What's it gonna be? Oh, I don't know. I've got a weapon chart from Dominion Rules here. Let's see. Oh, a broadsword. Okay, well, that's actually not bad. Uh, he's extremely skilled with a longsword, but um, a broadsword will do. Uh, is there a shield? Mm, I don't think there is, because again, we didn't get the extreme. Yeah, so I don't think there's any shield or armor there, but there is a broadsword. Uh, is there any missile weapons there? Good question. Uh, I'm gonna say 50-50 on this one. And, uh, oh yes, that is an extreme yes. So there's going to be a longbow there. He's also skilled with a longbow and, uh, and, uh, and a bunch of arrows, which means that it's as good a time as any to replace this miniature here with uh, the miniature I have prepared for Edbert. So, boom, there he is, Edbert. There he is. Okay, obviously he doesn't have a torch at the moment, but you get the idea. He rifles through the supplies, maybe cracks open some of the, the moldering crates and sees this longsword as well as, uh, you know, there's probably a little dagger there. There's, there's an assortment of like, you know, useful tools, but right now he's looking for weapons and armor. He finds a broadsword, correct myself, finds a broadsword, and he finds a long bow. So here's my question. The pirates that are coming in on this boat, it's gonna take them a little while to get in. They're not just gonna magically suddenly appear. He saw them uh, debarking from the ship. So do they know about Edbert? Are they connected to Edbert what, uh, whatsoever? I have no idea. Are they looking for Edbert? Let's ask that question again. I have no idea. I've thrown myself totally blind into this scenario. I have no idea. I just issued the setup. Let's see, 50-50 chance. They are not looking for Edbert interesting, which means they probably don't know he's here. That means he has a chance to potentially hide. Now, unfortunately, his stealth is only four, but because there's lots of trees, he can basically go into the jungle a little bit and uh, and hide and observe them from afar. I think that's what he's gonna try to do. So he, he pulls himself back into the canopy here, looking to, uh, looking to hide. So this long boat headed by some brutal looking pirate, fella comes slowly washing up onto the beach 
guess the question is, why are they here? They're not looking for Edbert. I have no idea. I have no idea what's going on. Uh, <laughs> they jump out of the boat and kind of pull it up on shore. These four of them here. The, the boat and the supplies. The boat could be a boat from the ship. That's possible. Let's ask if the boat is is a boat of, of the ship. I think that's fairly likely, actually. 75% chance. Uh, 55, ooh, and we have our first doubles of the game. So, the answer is yes. This boat comes from the ship in the harbor and there is a random event that happens. So, what is the event focus? Is 51, is move away from a thread. Which thread are we gonna be moving away from? One, two, three, four, five, six, uh, one. Okay, so the first thread, move, where is Edbert and how did he get here? We move away from this thread. So this, how, how are we gonna interpret that? Judge, judge adversities and to move us away from Edbert discovering something more about where he is or how he got here. I, th I think judgment of adversities doesn't necessarily apply to Edbert. I think the pirates discover what they are looking for in the boat that in no way helps Edbert figure out how he got here because as they run over to the boat, they can see that there is another figure in the boat who was hiding there the entire time. And as the figure sees these pirates uh, uh, coming up, Edward was basically, uh, you know, looking in some of these crates over here. He didn't really look in the boat itself. Otherwise he would have seen this stowaway. But this this person in this boat leaps up, seeing the pirates coming after them. The pirates let out a roar as they, as they begin to charge towards this person. This person jumps out of the boat and begins to uh, flee down the beach. So, judgment of the verses move away from the thread. Uh, this, yeah, uh, Edward has, <laughs> he didn't get here on the boat. <laughs> we know that. Uh, so that's weird. How did he just show up on this shore? Very, very strange. But I guess the pirates uh, chase this figure down the beach, jumping over the crates and the boats and such. Here's a question. Do they leave one behind to guard the boat? Somewhat likely, I'll say. 65. Uh, 20. Yes, they do. They leave one of the pirates behind at the boat as these guys go charging off uh, after this other person who just flees. But as this pirate is moving up and down the beach, keeping an eye out, is Edbert able to hide? So his stealth is normally four, but he's gonna have a plus three advantage because of the cover. He wants to get seven or less on the D12. So what happens here? Okay. <laughs> well, that's no good. Uh, he fails to hide, which means if this pirate looks at all into the jungle, he's gonna see Edbert. Does the pirate look into the jungle? He is on lookout, so there's a very good chance. I'm gonna say it's a near sure thing that he's looking everywhere. 64, sure enough, he kind of looks and he spots Edbert kind of crouched down beside this tree here, inexpertly hiding. It's not really Edbert's strong suit. And this pirate kind of pulls his saber and begins to advance towards him quite quickly, pointing his saber at him. And, and you know, it shouts out to him, you, you there, come out of the woods! Which apparently, I guess, is moving towards like a Spaniard accent. So, okay, let's go with the Spaniard accent. You there, come out of the woods at once! And Edbert, 
<sighs> well, Edward, if you recall from season one, is um, not, a, not a super tolerant thort. <laughs> he's bloodthirsty, and I think that um, in a chance like this, he's got a one-on-one -on -one fight, I think he's probably gonna wanna take this guy down. So he pulls the broadsword out, leaps out of the woods, charging toward this pirate. This pirate has his saber out, this pirate is on guard, so he, you know, he's not taken by surprise or anything, but he sees this guy charging at him. Ah! Just mad Irishman charging at him. And he, well, not really Irish, because there's no island in this. This is a fantasy world, after all, but you get the idea. Anyway, Edward comes charging out, and I guess we move into our first combat. Ooh, of Dominion rules. How exciting. To make things easier for myself here, I have created this handy-dandy little chart uh, to help uh, keep track of who's doing what in combat. I'm going to give this pirate some fairly basic stats. I'll give him a timing of uh, plus two. With the sword, we'll give him a strike of seven. His parry's not gonna be great, it's gonna be four. He's going to actually have a within of seven, and of which two points is uh, armor. First thing we have to do is determine timing. Timing is the one exception in Dominion Rules. You don't actually roll under, you just roll a d12 and add it to your timing score. So the pirate, who will be on the black die, is going to be rolling and adding a two, so he's gonna be on 10. Edbert, his normal timing score is seven, but he's using a broadsword which has a timing modifier of minus seven, which means he just rolls straight up. Oh no, he rolls a one, so Edbert is on a one. Boy, we're off to a great start. What this means is, those with the lowest timing declare their strategy first. Well, he's declared his strategy. He comes charging out of the brush, waving his broadsword madly like a wild man in front of him. Uh, going to strike at the pirate. Now I think that uh, Edbert is he going to fight defensively on this? I think he, I think he has to. He's going to strike once, but also parry, which means he's going to have a multi-action penalty of minus one to both of those actions. Meanwhile, the pirate sees him coming up, sees he's about to strike. The pirate is definitely going to parry, um, and uh, I think because of the wild look in Edbert's bloodthirsty eyes, I think the pirate's just going to devote his whole action to parry because he sees this lunatic charging out of the out of the forest at him. <laughs> okay. Uh, we go to the mods phase now. The mods is where you determine your your defensive stuff. So the pirate has chosen to parry. So his parry is four. So he's going to roll four or less. If he succeeds at this, that's the number that's subtracted from Edward's strike score. Okay? Does he parry? He does not. Unfortunately, that was a five. He's got it caught off guards. He's stumbling back in the sand trying to parry uh, from uh, Edward's savage, furious attack. Uh, Edward at the same time, though, is going to parry his normal parry. Six, but with a broadsword, it's, it, there's a plus one bonus, so he's rolling seven. Seven or less will determine if he parries. No, he doesn't parry either. He's, he's far too uh, consumed with rage, slashing at this pirate. Now we go to the resolution phase. The pirate would act first because he he's the, he's the better timing scorer, but he didn't declare an attack. He was focused solely on parrying, so he does not get a chance to strike before Edbert does. Edbert is striking with a broadsword at uh, a, a score of 10 minus 1 for his multi-action penalty, so 9. He's got to roll 9 or less on the white die to hit the guy. He will hit for a potential 5 damage, so Edbert's broadsword comes whistling into this pirate. The pirate now makes a withstand injury roll. His withstand injury roll is seven, so he's got to roll seven or less to succeed at that. He does not, which means he finds the cracks in the, the, the salt-stained leather armor of the pirate, and Edbert drives his broadsword deep through five damage. Now, the injury level of the pirate is five. 
His withstand injury was seven because he had plus two for armor. But his injury level is five, which means he is now at zero. Well, that's not great for the pirate, but it's also not the end of the world. When you go beneath zero, you start incurring penalties to everything you do. So the pirate's not yet penalized, but he was hit bad. Here's the thing. This pirate is alone. Is he going to surrender right away to this savage guy who's just driven a shank of steel through his, through his belly? Let's roll on the table and see what happens. I think it's very unlikely he's going to just suddenly surrender right now. He's not in the penalty yet. He's wounded, but he's not that wounded. He's still got a good shot. 25% chance of a yes. Oh, 21! He decides to surrender. The pirate throws his sword down and drops to his knees, his hands up towering in fear against the savage fury of Edbert, who's sitting there, uh, breathing heavily over him, blood staining his broadsword. And the, the pirate says, please, please, don't kill me, please, you, you, you are clearly a crazy person, please do not kill me. <laughs> well, Edbert is bloodthirsty, but I don't think, in service of his thread of trying to find out where the hell he is and what's going on here, I think that he recognizes that this pirate is the only the only uh, um, way he can try and get some information. So he puts the sword at the pirate's throat and he says, I need some answers. I need to know where I am, who you are, what that ship is, and where's my stuff. Does the pirate know any of this? Well, he knows. He knows what the ship is. We know that for, for a fact. Um, the pirate kind of, again, quivering in fear. I think the pirate as well is kind of like stealing a glance over to his right down the beach, hoping that his friends will eventually come back. For the moment, he's got Edward's sword in his throat, so he sort of looks up at him, you know, beads of sweat fall, <laughs> falling uh, from his brow. All right, all right, please, please. Don't kill me. I, I will tell you everything you wish to know. Just, uh, you, you wish to know what the, the ship is out there. That's right. Let's start with that. What is that ship? Well, I will have to consult a random table for such a thing. This is from the GM Miscellany book, uh, Wilderness Dressing, a system neutral resource. There's a link for this below if you want to check it out on a drive-thru. Another great way to support the show. Let's see what the name of this ship is. The pirate ship's name is... Ghoul meets the Drunken Ghoul. Well, it's not really fearsome, is it? But let's go with it. The Drunken Ghoul, whose captain is a man whose name is uh, one. Aero Nicola. Interesting. I am a deckhand on the Drunken Ghoul, whose captain is Aero Nicola. Perhaps you have heard of her, no? Has he? Impossible that he's heard of it. So there's still a chance. No, he hasn't heard of it. I haven't heard of your ship. Where are we right now? Well, we are on an island in... This is not obvious to you. I know it's an island. What I need to know is, what part of the world are we in? What part of the world are we in? He kind of looks at Edward like he's a... So what is the name of this area? I think it's going to be a series of islands. Definitely a series of islands, some large, some small. Um, I have an idea of this setting in my head, but I don't want to, I don't want to predetermine it. The idea I have in, in my head for this setting is that this is kind of like... Uh, a Caribbean area in the time of the Age of Sail, essentially. There are certain great powers in the area that are all trying to sort of exploit the islands and the resources of the natives and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, I don't know much about them. I'm going to assume that one of them is kind of like a, kind of like a Spanish empire, just because I happened to throw that accent onto this guy, so we know that they're there. But what is the name of the area, the island chain? Yeah, let's, let's just roll randomly on this name descriptor and see. Uh, can we get? Serpent. The serpent's teeth. 
that makes sense. A series of jagged islands along uh, along the, the tip of a peninsula, maybe. You are, of course, in the Serpent's Teeth Islands. How could you not know this? Oh, I'll ask the questions here. You just answered them. I think before Edward can ask any other questions, though, I think we need to know what happened to the other pirates down the beach. Are they coming back? Let us find out. I'm going to say that it's somewhat likely that they have subdued their prisoner and are, and are on their way back. Let's find out. Oh, there was a 65% chance they rolled a 68, which means no, they're not yet coming back. But they probably will be very soon. Edward himself also looks down the beach, sees where this pirate is looking and says, I know your friends are going to come back anytime soon now. Your best hope of surviving this encounter with me is telling me exactly what I want to know. I will tell you anything you wish to know. Just ask. <laughs> what I really want to know is how the hell did I get here? I know. Have you, uh, seen any signs of ghosts around here? <laughs> That's really what he wants to know. But this pirate again is going to be looking at him like, Who are you? <laughs> uh, ghosts? Uh, you know, trying to humor him, obviously, and not get his throat cut. I have not seen any signs of ghosts. Or maybe he has. Has his ship been plagued by any supernatural hauntings as of late? 77 is over the chaos factor of five, so it's not a random event, but it is a no. He kind of looks at Edward and says, There has been no ghost homings or sightings as far as I know. Please, you can see he's starting to think that this guy's loony. I think Edward looks down the beach as well. He knows he's, he's a seasoned soldier. He knows, what, he knows what the score. He knows those guys are going to be coming back soon. So he's got two options here as far as he thinks. He can grab this pirate and take him with him into the brush because he, he needs to get more information and right now this dude's the only guy to do it. Or he could jump in the boat with the pirate and row out to sea, but then if they did that, the ship in the harbor would see them coming. Is Edward crazy enough to want to go talk to this captain right away? That That's nuts. That's nuts. Without him knowing anything at all, Edward is a bit of a wild card and he's a little desperate here. You know what? I think there's... I think there's a... Tiny chance that that's Edbert's decision. I'm gonna roll. I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll. I'm gonna see. I think it's very unlikely that Edbert is going to get in that boat and row towards the ship, but who knows? Maybe he's got balls of brass. Let's see. 15% chance of a yes. Oh, so close. So close, but no. Edbert is not that crazy yet. He grabs the pirate and he says, All right, listen, you're coming with me. The pirate, his, his eyes go wide. He says, please, please, just let me go. I am of no use to you. You're the only one around here who could possibly tell me what I need to know. So you are coming with me now. And he begins to haul the pirate up by the collar and drag him forcibly into the woods. Here's the thing. The foreboding, forbidding jungle. Does this pirate know? Is there, is there some sort of like, are they on an island where this jungle is particularly of ill repute? 50-50? Let's find out. Oh, yes. Yes, they are. And is that an extreme yes? No, it's not an extreme yes. So the pirate resists and says, Please, please, my friend, do not take me with you into this jungle. It will spell the death for both of us. I will spell the death for you right here, right now. So that's your choice. You can come with me into the jungle, or you can stay here and taste a little bit more of my steel. What's it going to be? Fine. Very well. I will come with you. Yeah, you're damn right to come with me. And he grabs him and kind of drags him into the forest, hoping that he is going to get some sort of information from this pirate. So Edward actually puts the, puts the uh, pirate out in front of him, kind of prodding him along with his sword. Now, 
lead the way. The, the pirate kind of... Uh, and begins to be poked along and uh, leading Edbert into this deep jungle. Meanwhile, shortly after, I think these pirates come back only a few scant moments after Edbert and the pirate have left, and they see that their pirate comrade is not there. Naturally, they do a quick search of the area. Certainly, they would see blood on the sand where the pirate was stabbed, and they know something untoward has befallen their pirate friend. There was a very good chance that they're going to go after their pirate friend, but I guess it depends on whether they have their captive. I'm just going to resolve this in a quick roll on the chart. Do they go after, or at least one of them, does at least one of them go after their friend following the specks of blood trail into the jungle, chasing after our hero and protagonist, Edbert. I think it's likely that at least one of them does. 75% chance of a yes answer. Zero weight, extreme yes. I take that to mean that the quarry they were chasing, they killed. So they are not burdened by that person, whoever that was, and all three of them are now following the blood trail after Edbert and this captive pirate into this dark, foreboding jungle. Okay, we end the scene. Characters, we, uh, we've still got the pirates. We're gonna call the other, uh, we're gonna call the captive that Edbert has uh, a different pirate, so pirate captive. He will have a name, no doubt, uh, very soon. Any threads added in this? I don't really think so. Edbert isn't hugely interested in what the hell the pirates were doing here on the beach right now. That may, uh, that may become important later, but for now, I don't think there is. So at the end of the scene, our chaos factor, I think Edbert was not in control. The chaos factor is going to go up to six, and the scene setup uh, for our next scene is going to be Edbert descends deeper into the jungle with captive being chased by the other pirates. That will be the scene set up for scene two, but that will be the scene that starts the next episode of Me, Myself, and I, season three. Thank you so much for joining me here today. And if you like what you saw here today, please do hit like and subscribe. And if you want to help support the show on Patreon, the links for that are below, as well as the links for the drive through RPG and our merchandise uh, and, and all that good stuff. Thanks for joining me, and we will see you on the next episode of Me, Myself, and I.